0: welcome to OK Talks, I'm your host Oliver Kendall. I'm a lifelong political nerd with an academic background in international relations focused in security policy, and real world experience working in the US domestic political space and living in a number of other countries than my own, all of which combined I think positions me fairly well both to interpret for my international audience what's going on in the politics of my own country, and to shed light for some of the folks back home on some events of note going on in the rest of the world. One quick thing to say right off the top, Uh, I should say if you've already heard the email thing, feel free to just fast forward. This will probably take about 30 seconds. Uh, I just wanted to mention again, having thought that it would be nice to have a more direct way to communicate with y'all in the audience than just asking you to brave Elon Musk's Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry, X. So I started an email list centered around the podcast in order to both give a ping when a new episode drops and to create a channel for folks to reach out to me, OKTalksPodcast at gmail.com. I will say, in the last episode, I was directly answering several questions that folks on the list had asked me. I I really do love to hear from you, and I promise in return to not spam everyone on the list uh, except when an episode is coming out. So, OKTalksPodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email if you want to join. Also, as always, don't forget to subscribe to the show, and most importantly, share it with anybody else you think might get something out of it. Thanks to those who already have, and thanks in advance to anybody else who plans to. So, it's been a terrible week for those of us who would like the world to be less violent, hateful, and saturated with misinformation, and more liberal, democratic, and peaceful. And I'm probably going to have to do a separate episode about those things I'm alluding to. But amidst all the bad news I'm hinting at, there was one glimmer of hope this week, coming out of Poland. Now, Poland, as you'll hear in the conversation I'm bringing you this episode, has been going through a rough eight years. For comparison's sake, it would be fair to say that... It, in some ways mirrors what's happened in Hungary where an illiberal right-wing ultra-nationalist party took power and then immediately set about shredding or burrowing into the institutions of liberal democracy to make sure they'd never lose power once taking it. For the sake of anybody in my audience that isn't super familiar with exactly what Viktor Orban has done to Hungary and thus that analogy doesn't work, well think of the situation in Poland right now as being basically what would have happened if Trump had won a second term, appointed two more Supreme Court justices, massively rolled back gay rights and passed a national abortion ban, implemented a national voter ID law, banned absentee voting, and for good measure took over both PBS and NPR and turned them into Fox News. But leading up to the last election in Poland, a broad coalition of Polish civil society organized and backed an opposition bloc that earlier this week managed to win, pretty conclusively, in spite of all of the roadblocks thrown up by the ruling party. Here to talk about this i'm super excited to say is my friend and one of my absolute favorite former colleagues veronica paszewska now veronica has a resume that is way too long and impressive for me to fully recite here but just a couple of key relevant points she is an extremely accomplished political organizing strategist who took a leading role in the polish women's strike a couple of years back and also co-founded in poland a multi-issue progressive ngo whose whose name i'm afraid i'm about to totally butcher when i try to pronounce it i want to say akia Demokracja. I'm so sorry, Veronica, I definitely should have asked how to pronounce that before recording this. In any case, I am thrilled to have Veronica on the podcast. I have to just say here, before we get started upon listening, for some reason the audio on my side kind of sucks, especially at the beginning, so my apologies for that, but, you know, what the hell, Veronica is the important one to hear in this conversation anyway, so bear with me, because I think this discussion was really interesting, and I hope you all enjoy hearing from Veronica as much as I did. Veronica, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, welcome. I'm glad to be here.
0: All right. So first of all, in, in just discussing the the sort of backstory behind these elections that just happened in Poland, um, Poland's, I guess, probably not really ever been thought of as like a super liberal or progressive place. But I think it's also pretty common knowledge that in the last maybe decade or so, it's moved pretty heavily toward the right. Can you just tell us a little bit more about how that happened?
1: Yeah, so we need to go back probably to twenty fifteen when the Law and Justice Party uh, won the, the first election. Uh and they govern like um, the country like since um yeah last week, let's say. And um, yeah, I think like the, the 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 main reason I would say for the right and the far right, like getting like a much bigger like popularity in Poland was like very neoliberal policies that the previous government was conducting. So law law and justice were very like uh, successful with speaking to people who are somehow forgotten uh, during the uh, economic transformation that happened in Poland. Uh, And so I would say that, um, that were from my perspective the, the main reason And I think also it's fair to say that Poland is pretty conservative country in general. Yeah, like uh, the society here and also the um, the influence of the Catholic Church uh, uh, for the politics is like pretty severe.
0: So in some ways, then the the rise of the Law and Justice Party would seem to parallel the rise of a sort of nationalistic protectionist anti-immigrant far right in the U.S. around the same time.
1: Yeah, I think like the, those are the trends that you can see in many parts of the world, yeah, like um, that's um, that's something that we are observing in many regions, uh, also in Europe, yeah, uh, but, but definitely, and I would say that there are also like the part of the, I would say, the um, kind of accident, yeah, like, uh, or um, opportunities that arise for them, which was the, you know, like the the large number of migrants coming to Europe, like since 2014, 2015, which allows them to run the electoral campaign in 2015, which was like a, you know, like a purely anti-migrant and anti-refugee campaign during that time.
0: Law and Justice also is like, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're a right-wing party, but like they are. Also, I guess, like separate from like there are other like more, quote unquote, normal conservatives in Poland at the same time. Isn't that right? Like that they, they can you explain a little bit more about how how they are different from like the the right that maybe existed in Poland before 2015?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's very important uh, to mention that they are not respecting the democratic rules. Yeah. So they are not the typical right Uh, but this is the party that is like, you know, slightly authoritarian or, you know, like once they started like governing the Poland, we had a lot of discussions if we can still call the Poland the democratic country because lots of rules that are they're established like for the democracies they were kind of you know uh, broke yeah so I'm speaking about the division between you know like the the court system and you know like the the parliament this kind of things
0: so actually I was gonna say let's um Let's go a little bit further into that because I want to talk about law and justice's impact on Poland, both in in terms of like the the, the policy changes and the way that affects Polish people, but also like the structure of Poland's democracy itself. So you mentioned their um, maybe interference in the judicial system. What other sorts of things has law and justice done during its time in power to I guess undermine Polish democracy?
1: Uh, I think like we could spend like the couple of the episodes of your podcast on that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, the list is like very, very long. Yeah, like, uh, uh, I would say like destroying the judiciary system, like together with the constitutional court you know, like breaking the rules about how the law is made, limiting the time for the opposition to make, you know, they say, um, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, writing like a different bills that they're contradicting other, Like, um, yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, it's really, really long list of the things that they did together with like bringing a lot of like, the, for example, the public television is there, like the PR channel right now, yeah? like. Uh, I was gonna
0: say, didn't so, wasn't there quite a lot of restriction on, on free press or at least manipulation of the mainstream press?
1: yes definitely they bought you know like the local press channels you know like uh, so right now they you know are kind of uh, oh during the election maybe like to connect you know like the general situation in Poland with you know like the the current political momentum for example in the uh, they took over somehow the local press and the local press was refusing uh, for the opposition to publish their advertisement yeah Mm. like uh, because they said that it's not aligned with with the values of the of the editorial and mm. so yeah like um um i would say you know probably some some of the people recognize hungary as a country that is also like the semi-democratic yeah, right now so i would say the <laughs> Yeah, the 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 previous like Polish government, Law and Justice Party, they having not really um, close connection to Orban, right. uh, Viktor Orban, and uh, like really Poland was like following a lot of ideas that Orban found out in the Hungary. Yeah,
0: it's funny that we mentioned Orban because isn't Donald Tusk the guy who who has now who now appears like he's pretty well positioned to be the next like like leader of the government of Poland. Isn't he the one who, when he was the, what was it? The chair of the European commission referred to Viktor Orban as the dictator. I think he's the one who came up with that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think that, yeah, I think that, that 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 was the, yeah, the word that he used. Yeah.
0: Very appropriate. Okay. So, so then, so there's the, the structural impact of law and justice. Can you talk a little bit more about like what law and justice being in charge has looked like for individual people living in Poland? Yeah,
1: I think maybe like, you know, um, Maybe I can speak from my experience, you know, after announcing elections, like and the process that I had. So first it was kind of really hard for me to believe that the democratic opposition, you know, like had a ma- ma- majority in these elections. Then I was like fully afraid that, like the law and justice will find a way to kind of cancel this election somehow, yeah? So I had this fear, you know, like inside me to, you know, that it's not possible, like that it's actually gonna happen. So I was really waiting for the official results to be announced, it was announced um, on Tuesday this week. Uh, so then I kind of you know, was a bit like a calmer during this this time I would say that for the individuals you know in these last eight years when law and justice was you know governing this country it really depends on your identity yeah because like you know what we were doing it's really had a different you know like a um, effect uh, depending who you are yeah like and um, so like for me personally it was was like very challenging as a person from the LGBTQ plus community, you know, they run very like hostile campaign towards people. The same will be for like, you know, trans people, for women, you know, if you were a woman in in this country, your rights, you know, like um, for, you know, accessing contraception, you know, or abortion were like heavily step by and step, like limited. Yeah, like, uh, so people were really like, I think it's not, actually exaggerated to say that People were dying, you know, like because of the, um, you know, like women were dying when they were in the pregnancy because they couldn't access like proper health, you know. So, uh, people were committing suicides, you know, young people from the LGBTQ community. So, yeah, I think being probably from, you know, LGBTQ minority or being a woman, that was really not, um, you know, like a good place. Also for the, you know, climate activists, you know, like the the violence from the police side was like very extreme uh yeah no not to mention people with the migrant and the refugee backgrounds yeah like uh who are like hearing really horrible things about themselves mm, yeah so i would say depending on your identity your life could be like a um, uh, better or really really horrible yeah
0: so about the you you talked about your own response after the, after the election results, just about the campaign itself, like a lot of the coverage that I've heard that I had heard leading up to the elections in Poland discussed the reality that the elections were not, nobody thought they were going to be fair uh, in the same way as like Viktor Orban mm-hmm. was quote unquote reelected like a year ago, but he managed to put himself in a position where it's virtually impossible to dislodge him in Hungary at this point. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. more about what that looked like in the Polish context leading up to these elections?
1: Yeah, so I would say, of course, there was a there was a, bit, a lot of like concerns about how the votes are gonna be counted, you know, if if it's gonna be like a fair elections, and I would say that civil society organization made a lot of like amazing work with mobilizing really like thousands of people who are like observers. Or who are sitting, you know, in these committees that they are counting votes, yeah, like mm-hmm. in the whole country. So I would say that civil society mobilized at this super large scale, like to like monitor and like really put, you know, like uh, their um, eyes, you know, on what was happening over there. We know that the law and justice made a lot of like uh, difficulties for the polls who were voting out. Uh, So there was a particular limit to send the results from the abroad like committees Mm -hmm. and they were not accepting this, you know, like the reports from the abroad committees when they were saying that the, you know, like that law and justice is not winning in them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, there was a bit of like the things like happening here. And of course, during the, I think it's worth mentioning that we had really amazing. You know that the turnout was amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, a historical, the biggest it the like, turnout, turnout of any elections
0: since communism fell.
1: Any, even even the, you know, in the one we we compared to the 1989. Yeah, when there was a turnout of the like the communist, like the Russian government in in Poland, that was the, you know, like a, it's the highest. Yeah, it's a seventy four percent for Poland is really enormous, yeah? Like we are not, you know, like uh, that, uh, we do not have usually had that high turnout as you, ha- as you have in the Western European countries. Uh, it's as, usually as American, around like 40, 40 45%. Life.
0: Oh, sorry. As as an American, where we struggle to breach like 60% in a given election, I'm extremely jealous of the participation.
1: Yeah, I know. So, typical for Poland is like 40, 45. Yeah. Like a 74, it's really, really high. And there was a lot of like a turnout, like the campaign. Yeah. Like a pro like campaign, really a lot of them. So, as I would say, as a civil society, we had this struggle because it's hard to mobilize people. To show up and they say, like, raise the concern about the fairness of the election. Yeah, so that mm-hmm. was a bit of the tricky narrative, you know, like a position. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, that is to say, you think that it was actually that that one of one of the one of the things for for the the opposition to overcome was the notion of oh well, screw it, the elections not going to be fair anyway. Why bother?
1: Uh, n- like the, the, that was the position of the opposition.
0: That that, that that was something the opposition had to deal with, the possibility of people not bothering because they assumed, oh, well, it's going to yes, be.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Possible. Yeah, that was the that was the that was the thing, you know, like that if the message is about concerns about the you know like uh, fairness of the election would be like too high people might be worrying if they you know votes like mothers yeah gotcha. so uh, there was a really good work to be done to make sure that it will be fair yeah like uh, but not to worry people a lot about it because it might affect the turnout yeah gotcha
0: well in any case despite all of these oppositions and all of the damage that law and justice has been able to do over the last eight years or so now we have this result where the opposition led by a guy who used to be heavily involved in the EU level government now looks very well positioned to to basically take over the government of Poland. I guess in the short term um yes I my audience is fairly mixed in terms of where where they're from but I think at least a plurality are Americans where we have a presidential rather than a parliamentary system. So could you maybe describe a little bit about what What's likely to happen next in the time between now that these elections have happened and you know a potential scenario in which Donald Tusk becomes the is the position the position as prime minister right uh, becomes the prime minister. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah in Poland like the Parliament is a uh, critical yeah like for like uh you know uh, bringing a new law you know like so we're having like a, a kind of lower and higher chamber of uh, Parliament yeah um so um and it looks like right now the opposition will be having the majority in both of them yeah and we'll still be having the president who is from the law and justice yeah. Uh, and the How president of Poland matter? has a right to veto. Uh. Mm. It matters. It matters because the president has a right to veto bills that are coming from the, the parliament uh from the lower and the higher chamber so if he vetoes it it comes back to the parliament and parliament can out veto the president but they need okay. not, not normal majority they need at least like two-thirds votes and the opposition doesn't have a two-third vote okay. to out veto their president okay. uh, so it means that it will be difficult with the current president for the parliament to pass the bills uh, because president might veto them and they will be not able to out-vito um, president. Yeah. So
0: Duda is the president now, when is the next election wherein they could possibly replace Duda as the president?
1: It's, it's in 2025, if I remember correctly, because in the next year, we're having both a European Union election, and the local government election. Okay. Uh, and in the 2025, there should be the um, uh, presidential election, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, so then, okay, so this is interesting. So, so basically, the new government, when it's formed, will in a lot of ways be kind of struggling against a slightly stronger than usual head of state in a parliamentary system uh, as they try to roll back the damage done over eight years. But looking even more short term, now we have these elections and in theory now some some sort of government will need to be formed can you describe a little bit more about what you anticipate happening so how do we get from step 1 the opposition when now winning a majority mm. to step 2 donald tusk being the prime minister
1: yeah yeah, so, so we're having like the 18th of October right now. Yeah, we are just like three days after elections. Right now, according to you know our constitution, the previous government is still in power uh, because the president is like uh, securing the continuation of the governance. It means that the president right now, it's up to the president to announce the first assembly of the parliament. And the president has a four weeks uh, to announce the first gathering of the parliament mm-hmm. and uh, so that's the first thing that he needs to do and then uh, the second decision for the president is is to nominate the um, the party who will be in charge of trying to formulate the govern the the governance uh, government. So, uh, and we already know that the president, um, I prefer actually to call him Andrzej Duda uh, because I, I believe that he was not really, um, you know, like um, acting as a president. Gotcha. So Andrzej Duda is going to, um, to pro- the most probably he's gonna to announce law and justice as a, as a party who he assignates to formulate the government. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we know know that they do not have a majority Yeah. yeah so they would probably you know uh try to do it and then they will come back uh and then they will be um you know like there will be probably the second trial on the democratic side to formulate the government uh what what we many people say is that actually He should not like the that it's not according to uh, Polish political tradition or even for the rule to. Assign the party that doesn't have a chance to formulate the government. He mm-hmm. should already do it, you know, uh, for the opposition party, the car, you know, the previous opposition parties. But the most probably he's not gonna do it. So we will, uh, we will expect that maybe we're gonna have the uh, the democratic government probably somewhere in December. Yeah, like okay. uh, even maybe in January. I yeah. think like probably the second part of the December. That's something that is realistic
0: yeah so so basically now now there will need to as happens in other parliamentary countries there will be a sort of parliamentary negotiation process whereby the largest group will put together a coalition but we expect that the head of state that that duda will probably do everything possible to drag that out uh and yes yeah i think that's
1: exactly that's their objective to slow down the process we also believe that they needed time actually to destroy the evidence uh, yeah. of the crimes that they committed oh. during these eight years.
0: Interesting. So this brings me to another question, which um, you know I know from from our time having worked together. Especially, I think when the second of these things I'm about to describe happened, like the, you know, I know you're familiar with like January sixth, the insurrection in the states, and then
1: sure. uh, what
0: happened in Brazil when we've seen other uh, democratically elected within the rules of the system authoritarian leaders who have been disinclined to leave office once they lose (laughs) an election is there any worry about some similar sort of thing happening in poland because as as far as i'm aware i don't know of anywhere in the liberal democratic west where there has been an election resulting in an authoritarian leaning government that has fallen Mm. since brazil this is like brazil and and trump before that are the last ones that i can think of up until now with poland so is is we haven't seen any anything like that. We haven't seen any scenario like this happen since Brazil. Is there a concern that what that, that in Poland we could see something similar to what we saw at, like in January sixth in the states and then in Brazil when Bolsonaro lost?
1: There were a lot of concerns before the elections. Yeah, there were even theories because just like a few days before the elections, we had three like the most important generals. Who submitted the resignation? Oh. It was just like uh, five days before the election, like the three, the most important position in, in the Polish military. So, uh, why did they and there were some two. Yeah, it happened. Uh, it happened like a week. Yeah, like just a few days before the election.
0: But but why?
1: Yeah, so there were various theories, you know, like the army is an army, so they didn't express themselves, they no. because they having like this period, you know, uh, what they still like. Uh, are obliged you know for for their you know ministry of the defense so they didn't like speak to the press or but there were a lot of theories why they did it just like a few days before the election and one of the theory that was circulating you know in the media was that actually the law and justice was preparing to bring the army to the streets if they lose election and this is why they resigned so that was the theory it was not totally confirmed but that was like some of the concerns that you could hear before the elections. but I would say that the, the, the during the night that the election were uh, you know the results of the an- election were announced it was kind of the calming like moment because uh, the leader of the law and justice Jaroslaw Kaczynski, he kind of uh, you know admitted like publicly, yeah, like we wanted when it comes to number of the votes, yeah, because they were the they got like from the all the electoral committees they they won the the most. Mm-hmm. But it's it is uh, we don't know if we're gonna uh, like have a third term of the government. Mm-hmm. So he kind of you know openly admitted that they lost and that mm-hmm. that they might not stay in power still. And I would say that was something that kind of was a signal for many people that they will be not fighting the the results of the election, what it's still kind of on the table it's uh, that they might try to, uh, you know, buy off some of the um, candidates uh, who get to the parliament from other parties. Yeah, like that. Uh, They right now having like 198, I think, seats. Um, So they need, you know, 231 to have a majority in the Polish parliament. Uh, So they, you know, they need like around like 30 something, you know, like seats. Uh, So they might try to bring, you know, some of the mm, people like on their side. So that's something that we definitely think is happening right now. Try to, you know, um, bring some people on the board from other parties.
0: So so bottom line, the, 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 the right wing nationalists of Poland are less crazy and violent than the right wing nationalists of either the United States or Brazil. So good news there. Uh, is there? Do you think any chance of them actually being able to convince? I think the number would be thirty-three or thirty-four. Um, yeah. Newly elected parliamentarians from other parties who were part of the opposition to just suddenly drop the opposition and joined Law and Justice.
1: I think it's like unlikely. Like uh, it's. It it, I think like it's highly unlikely.
0: Yeah, I mean, like mm-hmm. from looking in from the outside, that's a that's a big number of people you need to get to basically switch party right after an election. Um.
1: So. yes agree but uh we also know like so like maybe just to like draw the uh the election results so we're having like the when we're talking about the democratic opposition we're talking about like a three big kind of, um, you know, like, uh, coalitions, I would say, yeah? So we're having the coalition, like, called, like, the Civic Coalition, who was run by Donald Tusk, who is going to be, like, a prime minister, the most probably. Mm, it's consisting of a couple of the parties, yeah? Mm-hmm. We're having the uh, the second one, which is called, like, the the Third like, Road, yeah? Like, a, which is, like, a coalition between the... Um, well, I, I'm often saying it like when I'm explaining to people from abroad that it's a coalition between farmers and Catholics. Uh, those are like a two parties, you know, that okay. kind of combine the coalition together. And we're having the the, the, the the new left, yeah. This is the the third, like the coalition, which is also like the coalition of the the three parties, three left parties. And the so uh, in this third road. Uh, there one party that is sitting over there that usually was, you know, it's an agriculture like party. There was like a winning, um, a lot mostly. Their electorate is among like people who, uh, who are uh, farmers and the agri, you know, run the agriculture in the smaller cities in the countryside. And they haven't historically the role of being like a switching you know sides very mm. often yeah so okay. they they are kind of the party that is like a tipping point you know like uh so are, parties... are
0: there 33 or 34 of them
1: the, yes exactly yeah yeah there are okay. yeah there are enough of them yeah so uh i would say you know they historically are the party who often was in the coalition with law and justice or with the civic platform in the you know last couple of the terms of the parliament but i would say it's highly unlikely because the democratic opposition was very unified. And the last, you know, like weeks of the electoral campaigning ahead of the election was very peaceful, I would say. Like, uh, it's definitely, you know, in the past, opposition party were often like fighting with each other. This is something that we know also from the Hungary. Yeah, like that, you know, like that. uh, Also the government was playing very nicely to kind of put them into, into the fight. Yeah. But the like ahead of the election, you know, the last weeks were very peaceful. They were supporting each other's, you know, Donald Tusk was like encouraging people to vote for, you know, other, you know, like the opposition coalitions. So it was very like kind of unified. And I would say it will be like a, it's highly not probable that anyone from this Democratic opposition will do such a thing. Yeah.
0: OK, so in any case. Um, uh, one way or another probably by the end of this year or early next year the almost decade-long semi-authoritarian rule of the law and justice party in poland ends one thing that it's worth noting here is that the impact of that party with you know in in the impact of that party has extended far beyond just of just like what it's like to be mm. in Poland. I mean, like having law and justice and power has damaged Poland's standing in the European Union pretty substantially in a number of ways. There's been, you know, reputational cost. But then in the last year and a half or so, in some ways, a lot of that was sort of overlooked, I would say, because Poland did a pretty good job of, did an incredibly good job of, of standing in solidarity with the ukrainians response to the invasion but then in the last couple of Mm. months law and justice seems to have sort of turned against that because they needed to go back to their sort of anti-immigrant anti-refugee thing for electoral purposes which then didn't work so i'm curious just looking outside the borders of poland what you think some of the some of the impacts of law and justice not being in power anymore will be
1: yep my my main thing is about like European elections that are gonna have to happen like in June next year, yeah. So I think like the like this victory of the democratic opposition in Poland, it's like some you know like it might be a really good signal that you know like that it's possible that the far right in Europe is not like winning, yeah. It's not on the like you know like a um, wave, yeah. Like that it's like a winning wave. So yeah. I think that's a really good signal like uh, I think it might be also like a really good signal for you know and I heard it from my Belarusian you know like uh, friends you know like that is the first time that they seeing you know you know experiencing you know that something like this can happen so I think it's bringing a lot of hope that you know like I'm, I'm I'm really hoping that it's it's gonna encourage also like the Hungarian like civil society even more you know that the things like this are are possible And I think it's also like affecting the European Union, because Poland was in the last eight years, you know, really like a blocker of really, you know, the really good climate policies on the European level. So I think it will be also like allowing, like a better, you know, like a collaboration on the European level as well. It will probably, I'm hoping that it will kind of cut this, any ideas of European Union splitting into, you know, more Western countries and Central Eastern Europe or any kind of a division, you know, inside the European Union, yeah? Which were raised, you know, during the, you know, like this authoritarian Hungary and Poland, you know, time, yeah, in the in the last years, yeah, because Poland's government was breaking the European Union law many times, yeah, like uh, we're having a lot of like uh, trials, you know, in the court, in the European court, yeah, right now. So I'm hoping that it's it's going to bring... Um, Kind of the unity, um, if it's like have any kind of effect outside of the European Union, I'm hoping that the, the on the you know Eastern Europe, yeah, for for people you know like in Ukraine, in Belarus, yeah, like that would be uh, that would be um something, and I think it might affect also like the the collaboration of European Union with like on the international level, yeah, like uh, as European Union will be stronger, yeah, more unified. Yeah. And definitely, you know, like the, the, all the geopolitics with Russia. Yeah. Like, um, that's, that's definitely like the, the thing here. Yeah.
0: Finally, just, just to wrap up and I'm sorry to spring this on you, feel perfectly free to to not answer if you don't want to, because I know I didn't mention this before, but, um, I know you yourself have been very active and done incredible work like yourself in Polish politics. Can you just tell us a little bit about what the fall of law and justice party means to you as, as somebody who lives in Poland and, and is very deeply invested in this.
1: Yeah, so I, I realized on Monday, a day after election, I think that it actually means that I can sleep calmer like during the night, you know, and that I'm not afraid uh, that much to open the news, you know, like, and I think probably many of people who, you know, like were, you know, during the Trump administration, yeah, they probably have like the really the same feeling that you are actually afraid, you know, to check out the news, yeah, or check out the Twitter, you know, what the president wrote over there. So I just realized that probably I'm gonna, on the personal level, having like a less tension and less calm and to be honest i'm still adjusting to it you know because eight years really gets very deep into my body so i also need some time to to kind of adjust to this new situation yeah, yeah.
0: well in any case um congratulations i guess on uh, on what <laughs> looked you. like yeah. um a, a, a real step forward for poland uh and and mm-hmm. you know b- by implication for the european union more broadly um you know I'm, I'm in a week of really bad news uh i was really relieved to see this come out i can't imagine how much of a relief it is for for people on the center and the left even just people in poland who believe in democracy and and yeah. uh you know want to see keep see poland continue to be a, a you know a western democratic country that's forms you know part of that sort of block in the world so i'm i'm um you know i'm i'm very happy to have seen this happen and and um you know i'm happy for you and everybody else who's in your position right now so you know congratulations and thank you so much for coming on the show to tell us about it
1: yeah thank you very much and i i wish that would be you know the happy democratic like uh, you know time for many many other countries yeah
0: amen well, that's it for this episode of OK Talks. If you like the show and want to make sure not to miss the next episode, be sure to follow on whatever platform you listen or shoot me an email at oktalkspodcast at gmail.com to be added to that email list. Also, really, please do feel free to reach out if you have any ideas for the show, topic you want me to cover, somebody you think I should have on. I really did, uh, did uh, seriously appreciate getting some questions uh, for the episode last week. I, I can't promise I'll always be able to answer quickly, but I'm serious. I'd love to hear from you. at gmail.com. If you really want to do me a solid, please do go ahead and share the show with anybody you think might get something out of it. To anybody who already has, thanks. To any who will, thanks very much in advance. Thanks, as always, to Nate Wright for having designed the podcast artwork and to everyone else for listening.